And welcome here to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast show here on Big Time Sports. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in local, statewide, and nationwide athletics. Mitch, it's good to be uh, joining you once again today. You've got the uh, the original Sunday bests, the 2000s eras for uh, for the Indians, and I'm wearing my old uh, Jacobs Field shirt. Uh, the only thing missing from my shirt is that is the phrase that many people, including myself, uh, like to uh, go by in our daily lives. I still call it the Jake. Mitch, how could we not have our Sunday best on with how that team's playing right now? I know we're going to get into it later in this episode, but uh, yes, we definitely have our vintage 2000 Cleveland Indians at the time gear on. And uh, to this day, it is still the Jake. I agree. I mean, it's a it's a it's a quality stadium. It's a I mean, nothing particularly wrong with Progressive Field now. I still like uh, the stadium as it is. It's just it's we always have that sort of nostalgic tissue uh, in ourselves. So we thank you all for once again for watching and listening. And uh, before we get into our topics. I want to remind you guys that you can listen to this podcast on multiple streaming platforms, including Anchor. That is where we publish the podcast, and it sends out to a number of other locations like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud even. Uh, well, Anchor doesn't put it on to SoundCloud. We do that ourselves, but we want to make sure that we get it to as many places where you guys can listen and watch on Spotify and Apple. I believe it's on video. SoundCloud, it is not. And, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. I mean, we put stuff up there every Monday and Thursday this week. I'm going to make sure to get that clip of me uh, imitating Charlie Jones last week. I'm going to make sure we get that up because it's a funny moment for this, uh, this early running show. So Mitch uh, last week, last Friday and Saturday, rather we had a number of high school football finals uh, that were, that were interesting. I mean, it's week two of the season. Now a lot of teams really starting to find their games and it's still a couple of huge, uh, blowouts between a number of deciding schools, although one uh, result uh, from my side, at least, was uh, going the other way where one of the local teams was uh, losing for the contest. So before we get to that, I want to hear from you. What were some of your favorite uh, Stark County results that happened uh, over this past weekend? Well, Mitch, first off, I want to take the time to apologize to the audience for anyone that was out at Glen Oak on Friday night. That is where I was supposed to be for Maslin at Glen Oak. Um, if you listened to our last episode, episode eight, I don't know. It sounded like my voice was pretty raspy. I was under the weather. Uh, and so looking out for the best interest in all the players, coaches, parents, and fans, uh, I decided to stay back. I texted Charlie, said, did not want to get anybody else sick because I was sick. Um, so I was actually not out of any game this weekend, which... I was actually really bummed about because there was a lot of good games uh, on paper heading into the weekend. But Mitch, like you said, the one thing I took away was a lot of blowouts. There was a lot of games that were one-sided, a lot of games up here in Stark County, specifically over teams that we uh, are covering in Stark County, but only one uh, Stark County versus Stark County school. And that was the Maslin Glen Oak game. And we'll get into scores here, but you learned a lot about some teams. Uh, you know what teams have to, you know, really week three is almost turning into almost a must-win scenario uh, for a couple of teams. And then you look at someone like Fairless, right? We've talked about Fairless the first two weeks, and Fairless is now 2-0. They defeated Tusky Valley 40-7. to They have put up points and put up points fast in the first two weeks of the season. Um, but I'm excited to get to 
a breakdown of, I have about nine games highlighted here, just about scores and what the team's record are now. But what about you? What was happening down in Tuskegee Valley? I mean, it's kind of like you mentioned, a number of teams really dominating in week two. Uh, I was in Sugar Creek on Friday night for Garway's matchup with Waynedale, both teams week one victors and the Pirates, the week two victors. It was 33 to three. Garway got off to a great start on its opening two drives and uh, the game's player of the game logan yoder ended up uh throwing for i believe 244 passing yards three touchdowns ran for another along with 56 rushing yards really had a good connection on with receivers like jensen garver who caught the two touchdowns early on and uh great performance by the way from sophomore dylan sunlin who had to step in for ethan miller who was out with an injury this week he ended up uh scoring a touchdown receiving and i believe yes he ran 11 times for 56 yards and a score so he also totaled 59 yards receiving so that's a good night for him and garraway's kind of proven that they're going to be one of the top teams in the area this year especially in that ivc south uh some of the other ones we included dover beating going on the road to akron or excuse me uh hosting akron east 35 to nothing the final there going to two and oh and we have a huge matchup uh that we'll get to this coming week where dover will host indian valley so that'll be a great one to look out for and uh on the one i mentioned earlier new philadelphia was the team that uh ended up uh, hosting Steubenville and losing to the Big Red 20 to zero on Friday. So Quaker, the Quakers are now one and one on the season. There actually was a, a, a close game rather that we uh, wanted to mention too. Malvern won by a point over Connaughton Valley this week, 21 to 20. It was a, a interesting night for Malvern. They had Jared Witherow, a quarterback. He gets injured with a, a hurt wrist. So Dylan Phillips, who I've seen at quarterback before for the Hornets, uh, ended up filling in. He uh, only went two for five, but it was for 68 yards and a touchdown. Also ran for 54 yards. Drake uh, Hutchison had a, a solid night, 56 rushing yards. And uh, K.J. Walker took a punt 75 yards back for another touchdown for Malvern. Evan Rice, by the way, uh, 159 rushing yards and two TDs for the Rockets, unfortunately coming in the loss. So, I mean, those are some of the games there. Also, Roosevelt beating Indian Valley 22-17 to late in that contest. So, uh, yeah, those are some interesting ones. You mentioned Maslin, by the way. And I'm looking at trying to make sure I read this right. Will Trell Hartson having a huge game, three touchdowns, and that brings his total up to seven now for the first two games of the season. That's It's one of the most prolific running backs so far uh, in the Stark County area. And not only the Stark County area, Mitch, but he's one of the highly recruited running back in the state of Ohio. He holds multiple D1 offers to my knowledge, and uh, I was lucky enough to find the game still broadcasted so I could still try to do my due diligence and talk about it a little bit. And Mitch, he very well could have had at least one or two more touchdowns on the ground had it not been for costly miscues by Maslin, uh, one as a false start on fourth and one at the goal line, which they then uh, decided to, once that was backed up, they decided to go for a field goal, which was fumbled. Uh, you also had another play where I believe there was a fumble on the snap. Um, but yes, he is a prolific running back. And as it stands right now, he is the top running back in Stark County and sheerly off stats. It's not close. Seven touchdowns in your first two weeks as a running back. And let's not pretend like he's not playing good competition, right? Federal league schools are tough. I don't care what the record indicates, right? You look at years past and Glen Oak is a school that struggled in years past, but Glen Oak is a team that's up and coming. They're young. And then last week you played Cincinnati Moeller who Mitch, they may be the best team in the state of Ohio. Moeller this week went down and beat one of the top teams in the state of Kentucky. So Cincinnati Moeller has been tested their first two weeks, both on the road 
and have come away victorious. And it just speaks to Maslin now, who sits at one and one after defeating Glen Oak 35 to seven. Yeah, Hartson finished that game with 158 yards, uh, rushing on 23 carries as 284 yards and seven touchdowns between the two games right now. So he is obviously going to be a player to look out for in Stark County as well as the, as the state. Uh, as well we also had uh some of the other finals sandy valley bouncing back from last week 34 to 15 over manchester uh harrison central uh dropped 48 on buckeye trail who scored 20 and uh let me see us here carrollton close against philo won 14 to 7 and uh yeah those are some of the matchups that we uh we're kind of looking out for in the Tuscarawas County area. Obviously, week three, we'll be covering uh, this coming Thursday here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. So when we come back, uh, we want to talk more uh, football. We want to get to the upper level of, uh, of the NFL and see what the Browns are able to do in their last preseason game against the Chicago Bears. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget, guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. You and... You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. We, we all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in athletics. So we go over now to the NFL where it's officially the end of the preseason for the Cleveland Browns. Last night they closed out uh, the uh, practice game, so to say, with a similar score they had uh, to Philadelphia on Sunday. Actually, almost the exact same score, 21-20 to against Chicago uh, with the Bears winning out. So... You watched the game last night, Mitch, and it wasn't exactly a 20 to 1 to 20 game early on where the Bears, a year after a the Browns defense terrorized then rookie Justin Fields with a team record nine sacks in the contest. Fields looked much more seasoned uh, last night. He ended up going 14 of 16 for 156 yards and three touchdowns at a QBR rating of 146.9. 
I, I, I've always, I've said this off season. I do want to see fields do better this year. I want to hope that the system that he was under, uh, under, uh, Matt Nagy last year, just kind of wasn't the one working for him. And now he can actually blossom into uh, a successful Buckeyes quarterback in the NFL. What were your takes on his, uh, performance, uh, last night? It was the best he looked this preseason by far for the Chicago bears. Now, I do think that Justin Fields was put in a very bad spot as a rookie under Matt Nagy. I think Matt Nagy was the reason the Bears quarterbacks over the years had looked as bad as they did. I never believed that he put his quarterbacks in the best spot. And as a Buckeye fan, I do think Justin Fields has a chance to be the best Buckeye quarterback um, perhaps we've ever seen in the NFL, right? If there's one knock on Ohio State players, you know, we, we put a lot of players into the draft. It's the fact that we don't have quarterbacks that, you know, really translate to the NFL. I think Fields has all the tools. However, I still think he's going to be failed by the Bears because if you look at some numbers, and yes, they're misleading because it's the preseason and not, look, Miles Garrett hasn't played. There's numbers of stars across the NFL, both offensively and defensively that haven't played. Uh, heading into week three, so this is before last night, Fields was the most pressured quarterback at any quarterback during the preseason. The Bears' offensive line is abysmal. The Bears' weapons on the outside might be worse than the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Browns just are bottom five weapons in terms of the passing game, right? We know they're probably one or two in the NFL when it comes to running game, but Justin Fields just doesn't have a lot of weapons at his disposal. Now the one weapon he'll always have is his legs. And we saw that a lot in college and we start to see it now with a couple of quarterbacks in the NFL, Lamar Jackson specifically that can make plays with his legs. It can get you into trouble sometimes, but Fields has shown a lot. It is, you know, as one big season at Ohio state, uh, his his last season, excuse me, at Ohio State. And he showed glimpses of it last year, and he showed it again last night. I was very happy at his performance last night, even if it wasn't against the Browns' entire number one defense, because you can still see who's taking it seriously, who's out there with a purpose rather than going through the motions. And Mitch, from what I saw, Justin Fields was out there with a purpose last night, and it was really nice to see the Ohio State Buckeye quarterback, like you said, 14 to 16, 156 yards and three touchdowns. And again, it's 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 against some guys who probably won't be on the team here within the next few days because we are getting down to the 53-man roster deadline very soon. And when you saw last night, because this is the main topic I wanted to get into, what did you think of the of the first team offense? Because Jacoby Brissett made a start for the first time this preseason, and, and look, the numbers themselves weren't terrible i'm looking at him right now it was uh if i get this thing right it was 13 of 23 109 passing yards and an interception could have been a lot worse but to me it, it obviously could have been a lot better and i think some browns fans are kind of wondering what's going to be of this offense if this is a determined could is will determine to be what we might see here in the next few weeks uh, as Brissett has to fill in for Deshaun Watson. It wasn't a number one offense, and I'm just going to keep it frank. Like I could sit here and try to make us feel good as Browns fans, or I could sit here and be honest. And I'm just so tired of it because I've had to deal with it all off season. Yes, the Deshaun Watson stuff's behind us. Uh, this team, Mitch, I'll tell you right now. I know that we talked about putting out an NFL preview before the season starts here in a couple weeks. Uh, this team would be extremely lucky to win four games with Jacoby Brissett as the starting quarterback wow. in the 11. Okay. This team will not win more than four games. I don't care how great the defense is. I don't care how great our running game is. This is the NFL. Kevin Stefanski, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat, but he had some questionable games last year. 
And you can put it on Baker. You can put it on the shoulder. You can put it however you want. Jacoby Brissett cannot be your starting quarterback in the 11 games if you want to have any opportunity to be in playoff contention when Deshaun comes back. There has been one, well, until the last drive last night, only one quarterback on the entire roster had led us to scoring drives last night, and it was Josh Dobbs. And you could say, oh, he's doing it against second, third stringers and guys that aren't going to make the team. That's fine. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett didn't do that against number ones last night. He threw an interception, didn't even get a touchdown, Mitch. One was one time last night, and I know Chubb and Hunt didn't play. One is one time last night you felt good about a drive Jacoby Brissett. I was about left. to say, he, he was in for six series, and I don't remember the Browns getting down the field very often with him. I mean, not to say that the, it was it's – it's going to determine – it's going to be the, the predecessor of so what's going to happen this year, but it, it just kind of leaves you a little bit worrisome. That was – my biggest thing was just obviously you want to have your number one guy – as you were figuring out the Watson situation healthy enough to be able to make it to week one. So that's why you don't really have him out there until the last preseason game. But with that, it kind of feels like you're putting yourself, you're leaving yourself on a, on a shaky note as you head into the season in two weeks. And I listened to the post game sets. It says he's still, he still thinks he's prepared enough to go out there and compete against Carolina on September 11th. But I don't, I, I mean, we'll see. That's the biggest thing we'll see because it last night didn't give you a lot of feelings of like, oh yeah, we're re- we're all ready to go, you know. No, not at, none at all. And yes, Nick Chubb did not play. Kareem Hunt did not play. Right, those are the two guys that really make this offense go, no matter who the quarterback is. But what I saw last night was the same guy that I've expected to see at quarterback this year for, or what I'm expecting for eleven games. A quarterback that in his history as a starter, he wins one and loses two. And if that's the case in the route you're going to go, he's going to win you four games at most. And I just, I, I, I can't do it. Right. We know that this season, the, the window is so small for air. If we're going to have any opportunity to make the playoffs and look, Josh Dobbs hasn't gotten a shot with a team in the NFL in terms of being a starting quarterback, you know, week in week out. I've been impressed, right? And look, I think fans happen to fall in love with players all the time, right? In, in training camp, I think it started with hard knocks with us years ago. I think you see it now with the Lions on hard knocks if you're watching it. I think you see it across all these camps, right? Because you, as reporters, there's only so much you can talk about. But Josh Dobbs just looks better. I don't care who it's against. He looks better. That whole eye test thing, he's passed the eye test thing. Now, Josh Rosen, no, he has not passed the eye test thing. He desert, should be nowhere near a practice field in Berea, hey, Ohio, or in the state he, he got a touchdown last night, which is good for him. And then he's probably, to me, if he's yeah. not cut tomorrow, he's going to get cut in week 13 when Deshaun gets back. Yes, I think that's exactly what will happen. Um, but, Mitch, you said the roster cuts are coming. Yeah. All right? No trades made. It sounds like no trades going to be made. Are we waiting on Jimmy Garoppolo to get cut? I mean, is that where we are, or is this what is it? Percent? I don't think. I I think it's too late at this point, especially with what what the the whole buildup has been. I don't think Jimmy G's coming here anymore. I think I think the Browns are set to make Brissett their Week One guy. And if Dobbs were to come in and maybe while while Brissett's struggling, get give himself an opportunity, then maybe because Dobbs again didn't get a lot of like first team reps per se. Even in that second game, it kind of just felt like they were still kind of going up against. uh, 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 second and third team guys, but again, I, I think we, I think we really like the idea of Dobbs right now, rather than what he might actually be if he gets into a game. No, I agree. 
because look, you don't have a whole lot of tape on him in an NFL game, right? That's the one thing, but you do on Brissett. My whole thing is, you know what he is. This is the best team he's going to have around him by far. I hope I can, I hope you can clip this right here, Mitch, and you can post it. And I have to eat my words in a podcast because I hope I'm wrong. I'm a Browns, okay. fan, but I'm also not a Browns. I can sit here and tell you, Oh, we're going to be fine. The defense is going to be great, right? right? I can't even even the de- even the defense last fight. night, especially early on, kind of looked yeah. like it was getting cut up by uh, by Fields' passing game. Guys were just wide open in the secondary at times. And again, these are guys who like Jacob Phillips was out there. That's like the one guy I could really look point out to and be like, "What are yeah. you doing?" But the other ones, like yeah, practice squad guys, you know, right? And there there's going to be some guys that you saw out there last night that are going to be cut on Tuesday, but there's one guy, Mitch, you said you listened to the post-game press conference. This is the last thing I want to touch on that Stefanski said his job is safe. And yeah. I don't know how you can see done in the first three preseason games. And you can say he's a safe bet to make this roster. You're saying how is Anthony Schwartz going to be a Cleveland Brown when they take the field September 11th in Carolina? I mean, according to Stefanski, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any major move. So Schwartz will be a receiver in that core, a core that's kind of been hampered by injuries already this preseason, and they'll get Amari Cooper back at some point. But ah, those, those, the, the first and third games specifically, just uh, didn't give you didn't give you a lot of confidence in in Schwartz because just the drops and 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 some of the moves that he was making weren't exactly there. And, and, and Brissett even said like, you know, you wouldn't be in this situation if we didn't think you could do it. So I, I, I like to give him some benefit of that doubt, but at the same time, you're going to have Amari DPJ, David Bell, you know, you have some Felton and some working in there in the back from the backfield. Right ends. Uh, and Joku and Bryant, right. I, ugh, that's who boy just it's it's so bad and and i i'm you can clip this one too but i don't think there's going to be a single person that listens to this episode that disagrees i think it's safe to say that is andrew barry's first miss as a general manager i i think that he completely botched that pick um you auburn is you have certain colleges when it comes to draft time that are known for putting certain type of players into the nfl i don't know the last time you can tell me a great auburn wide receiver and we took a guy that is lightning fast, but can't run routes or catch a ball in the third round. Um, look, it, no general manager hits a thousand. Andrew Barry was going to miss. It is unfortunate he missed with Anthony Schwartz. I'll write him off now. Um, it's just, it's really frustrating because your wide receiver room is already so weak. And, you know, you hear people now that the Browns strictly passing attack might have a bottom five passing attack right now with who the quarterback is and who the wide receivers are. And, it doesn't help when you have a guy out there that can't run routes and can't catch a football. I want to pose a question to the listeners and the viewers. Like in the next, what is it now? Two weeks before the season starts. What are the chances that you believe that Josh Dobbs could be named the week one starter over Jacoby Brissett? It's not, not saying it's very light. It's not saying it's likely at all. In fact, it's probably very unlikely at this rate because Brissett has been the, has been the QB one for a considerable time now, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I think Stefanski will at least, think about it i think the coaching staff will at least consider it because of what they've seen on the field and even though dobbs is, is has been a, a primarily a backup for most for most of his career as has Brissett, you know starting experience can take you far in the league but it can, i think in this case it can only take you so far if you're jacoby so i i'm, I'm still curious as to where that uh 
that situation will go for the Browns. And uh, you, you had some before we go? No, yeah, I'm all right. I'm so uh, that is uh, that is the end of the second segment. When we return, we'll be going over uh, some Guardians baseball. Obviously, the team's still in Seattle uh, taking on the Mariners. So we will be going over that right after this. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Bennell and Mitchell Bala here talking more sports. Just got done talking about football. You can go back and listen to those on multiple streaming platforms as well as YouTube and check out our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. So now, Mitch, we go over to uh, baseball where the Cleveland Guardians have uh, been on the road out in the West. They just uh, took on San Diego, and uh, now they are taking on Seattle, wrapping up the road trip in a Sunday matchup before they return home to face the teams, face the likes of teams like Baltimore, Seattle, uh, and then they'll go on the road again, more in division on the next road trip. So right now, Mitch, the Guardians are 67-58. and 58. They won last night 4-3 to three over Seattle. Zach Plesak finally got another win. Now he's three and 11 on the season. Uh, they're 67 and 58. As I mentioned, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's still a good spot for the guardians to be in right now. First place in the American league central three games ahead of Minnesota right now, five games ahead of Chicago, who is now two and eight, by the way, in their last 10 games, it looks like the, uh, that team is, Oh boy, that is, that is one roster that unfortunately seems to be kind of falling off in the race. But you never know in the last few weeks of the season, especially since it's so close. But going back to Cleveland, uh, what is it on this road trip right now? And this is after Seattle beat them in the first two games. So it's the first series loss for the Guardians in a while. So where do you see them coming out of this road trip? Do you see their position stronger now? Do you see them kind of on shaky ground? I'm mainly focused in on the two Seattle losses that you had, the first one 3-1 to one on Thursday, and then the walk-off in 11 innings on Friday. 
going into this six game road trip, right? Two in San Diego, four at Seattle. If you would have said, Hey, Mitch, the guardians go three and three, would you take it? Sign me up, right? You're talking about a team going from the East all the way to the West coast. You're talking about two playoff teams in the Padres and Mariners. I would absolutely take 500 on the road and they have a chance to split the series with Seattle to four game set and go four and two. If they come away on Sunday with a win. So I am by far very happy. And, and let's be honest, the games they've lost to Seattle, Mitch, have been very close, yeah. right? Almost you have to think if these games were in Cleveland, could it be the other way around? Because you are right now looking if the playoffs started today, you are looking at what the matchup would be for the Guardians in the playoffs. They would host a best of three at Progressive Field against the Seattle Mariners. And I love, I think these two teams are so much fun. I think they have some young superstars. I mean, you just saw the Mariners lock up uh, the J-Rod show. Yeah. It's like, I like yeah. Julio Rodriguez. I mean, to an absurd contract, but that's what teams like the Mariners and smaller markets have to do when you have what some people are saying, a generational talent, right? He just signed a deal that could keep him through 2034, but has other clauses that could keep him through 2039, the age of 38. He's 21 years old as we talk right now and could take his deal from over $220 million to $400 million. Um, and it's it's more pre- based on his play. So it's all up to him, which I, I love those type of deals when an organization says, we trust you, you have to go out here and get this money. But that's not the point. We're not talking about the Mariners right now. I love what I've seen so far. Zach, please, Zach finally got a win last night. It was good to see that. The more fascinating part was when I looked at the score and we were down three to one, the Mariners only had three hits. All the runs came on solo home runs last yep. night and the guardians were out heading up at the time five to three. And when they were losing three to one, I thought, my gosh, this guy, Zach, please, Zach, he really is super unlucky. I know he, yeah, he gave up home runs, but at the same time, you're going to want him to be solo shots. Um, Castillo last night for the Mariners was phenomenal. That was a pitcher that had never beaten the guardians when he was with the reds. He was phenomenal. The guardians strike out the least amount in all of baseball. And he, he was striking out everybody last night, Quan Rosario Ramirez, those guys are uh, three of the top five players in baseball that don't swing and miss. Struck them out. Um, but what fascinated me more is you had seen them on Thursday or fr- no Thursday. Yeah. The Mariners had not lost a game where they led after the eighth inning or into the eighth inning. Their bullpen was at that time 49 and 0, yep. maybe. And you saw, uh, I can't remember the name. Ramirez was in a big spot and he struck out and last night you had the same pitcher in the same spot with Jose up and during the broadcast Matt Underwood and and Rick Manny and Andre Nata Valley Sports Great Lakes they talked about you know Jose wants revenge right here he got him the other night Jose's not going to be beat again and sure enough Jose wasn't wasn't going to get beat he had to double down the left field line opposite the field brings in Juan Rosario into third Naylor grounds out tie game and Ramirez scores in the sack fly to give him the lead it was just great baseball from the youngest team in baseball. And it's been how they've done it all year, Mitch. It's so much fun to watch. It's so refreshing and 37 games left. I know we're going to talk about that here, but I want your thoughts because this team is a blast. And I know that every time they play now, I try to make sure I'm free because I want to watch that. game. Yeah. Well, first of all, I got to correct myself. The guardians could potentially tie the series with Seattle today. So it's not, this is wouldn't be their first series loss 
in a while, as I mentioned before, unless they lose today. So then there you go. Uh, second of all, there is a, a video that just was published a few days ago by Jolly Olive. I want to shout out on YouTube. It's a video called How the Cleveland Guardians Became Baseball's Surprise Contender. It's about 16 minutes long. Uh, no one's no one told me to say that. I'm just saying on my own merit. I mean, Jolly Olive put a, a pretty solid video, and I like what he had to say there. And third of all, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I'm okay with where the series has gone. The first two games in San Diego, I think, were huge for me. The, the first two games in Seattle were disappointing. And then you get that big win last night, so you're not going into a losing streak heading back home. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very okay with where the team is right now, especially if Minnesota and Chicago can't get on a roll. That's the big thing. If neither of those two teams get on a roll and Cleveland just doesn't, just doesn't completely self combust then the, the division's in the bag in this next month but going into this next month the guardians right now at 67 and 58 so we're looking at just over a month full of games to go in this regular season now where are we expecting not even expecting where are we hoping cleveland can end up in terms of a record because I'm wondering how many games they would have to win, especially against those in-division opponents. We mentioned Minnesota, we mentioned Chicago, even the Kansas Cities of the like. They need to get those victories in. They got to get those wins in so that they're beating the teams they need to beat. What do you have to go in order to seal one of the weaker divisions in baseball right now in terms of record? I would say if you go 20 and 17 over your last 37 games, you're in. 20 and 17, I think, is a reasonable number. I'm not asking you to go on a huge winning streak, right? That there's still, you're just talking about three games better than 500, mm -hmm. pretty much, yep. right? Um, they can easily do that. However, if you said, Mitch, I don't think they can get 20. Give me 17 wins, but you have to make sure all the wins are against the division opponents. I think they're in. Okay, Mitch, I truthfully think that you cannot rule out the Chicago White Sox yet, even though I've told you I don't think they're a threat, right. right? They're not mathematically eliminated yet, which means you can't rule them out yet, right? We have to play the proper game of, you know, a team's alive until they're yeah. done. The American League Central Division is going to be decided, in my opinion, in a seven-day span between September 15th and September 22nd. The Guardians will take on the White Sox in that makeup from last week on Sunday that was rained out. They host the Minnesota Twins for five, and then they go to the Chicago White Sox for three. That, yeah, five, five games, games at home. Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. Monday. And it's all, not all in Cleveland. They're all, yeah, they're all day games except for Friday night and Saturday night. You're talking a fr Saturday afternoon, mm. Sunday afternoon, Monday afternoon game against the Twins. But that's where I think the American League Central is going to be decided. And what really sucks as a Guardians fan is Byron Buxton has been out for the Minnesota Twins, and you almost have to expect he'll be back by then. Tim Anderson has been out for the White Sox. I would have to assume he'll be back by then because they did not say it was a season-ending injury for Tim Anderson. So these teams are going to be reinforced with their best players. But if you want to get into the playoffs, you have to beat the best. Right, You have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, and this is where you're going to see a lot from a very young team, I think. I think they've already proven it a lot, but the dog days of summer, coming down the stretch, pressure's on, right? You know that every single win-loss against division opponent from here on out is going to be magnified more, as it should be. But if the Guardians can get me 20 wins, or you said, Mitch, they're going to win every series versus these American League Central opponents, they get you 17, I think they're in. Boy, that 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 nine game that nine day litmus test for Cleveland is going to be 
Oh boy, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be one of the most stressful weeks for a baseball fan around here. And then I'm looking at some of the other matchups you have here. You go up against Baltimore uh, this coming week. Some games that you one of the games you mentioned you'll be at. I'll be at a few of them. I mean, Baltimore's still in the mix for the uh, AL wild card in that stacked AL East division. And then of course you host Seattle, which also isn't going to be easy. Then you go on the road against Kansas City for three games. Uh, we mentioned the games that you you must win. You must at least win at least two of them. If you go one and two, that's disappointing. Then you got the three games in Minnesota, which I would argue might be even. Well, I would argue those would be even bigger than the one, the five that you have coming up here because you go into Minnesota. That's even more difficult. And Cleveland's had a bit of their struggles against the Twins on the road this year. They had the one series, though, a few weeks ago where they were able to scratch out a few late victories, but uh, early on in the year, it was a little more tough. And then you have the matchup against the Angels uh, after that. I mean, the Angels have kind of just packed in on the season, it seems. And then it's such a fascinating schedule. One game against Chicago and a makeup. Five game against against Minnesota. Three at Chicago, at Chicago. Three at Texas. Three against Tampa Bay. And then you end the season with six games in a row against Kansas City. I mean... You gotta win. To me, you gotta win at least three. If you're if you're, you haven't won the division already, you gotta win at least four of those in order to get in. I completely agree, and that's why I love where that series against Kansas City falls. Right, Texas. You look at the the schedule right here. Right, Kansas City, a team you should handle easily. Texas, team you should handle. Kansas City, team you should handle. But because you have those six versus Kansas City, Mitch, let's say that we fall apart and have a little stretch. Yep where we just can't get anything going and you head into the last week of the season, last seven days and you're too hot, too behind Minnesota. I would still feel great Shh. knowing you have six against Kansas city where a team is playing guys. They need to figure out if they're good enough to make the major league roster next year. They're, they're literally trying for next year while you're playing to win right now and get into the playoffs. I like how the schedule set up. Um, all I can say is if you are a baseball fan, there's, if you have nothing going on, you need to be a progressive field. This team is so young and energetic that they're only going to feed off the energy. I know, Mitch, that, like I said, I'm going against Baltimore. I have a couple other games I know I'm going to for a fact. I'm trying to do everything I can to get up there to watch meaningful baseball because I I, I took it for granted in 2016. It's the one thing my dad said, don't take for granted. When we won the American League Championship Series, I thought, oh, my gosh, we're so young. We'll be going back for a couple of years. No. And it's like I – I love meaningful baseball. I love baseball. It's my first love. It's my favorite sport. This team is fun, and you just have to hope you get it. That's all you want. That's what I've told you since we started this podcast, you know, eight up nine episodes ago. Just get in. This team is so young. They don't know any better. They don't care about money. They just want to play baseball, and that's why I think I've fallen in love with them. And I, you have a lot of people, Mitch, right now, and I, I don't know how you feel about it. They're comparing the, the Guardians to the Cavs. You didn't have any expectations for the Cavs last season. And all of a sudden, by midseason, it was a young, fun team that stole your heart and they you were locked in every night. Yeah, I I, I would I could easily see them comparing to what we thought of the Cavaliers as the season progressed on. I think the only difference is that the Cavs were um the Cavs were at the bottom to start the year and then based on the years prior and then they slowly grew their reputation with time whereas with the guardians it almost felt like we were about to start the decline we weren't at the decline already because we had you know been in and out of the playoffs over the last few seasons but i do agree with you it's been really nice to see these sort of uh refreshing youthful energetic uh uh 
teams in both basketball and baseball for Cleveland this year. So when we go over to college football next segment, we'll be going over some of the games that uh, happened this week. What happened in Ireland? And uh, we'll also be maybe touching on Ohio State's season opener with Notre Dame. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And welcome back to the Big Time Sports Podcast show here. It's Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in sports. Uh, Mitch, I want to transition now over to college football. It was uh, the opening week, so to say. We had one major game uh, in the Big Ten this week now that uh, we can kind of say college football is officially back. Uh, But it was actually in Ireland, and uh, it was Northwestern and Nebraska. Look, the game was, what, 31-28 to Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Nebraska uh, caught some notoriety um, regarding a uh, failed onside kick attempt uh, that seemed to have been called by former, by not former, current head coach for Nebraska, Scott Frost. And this is what Nebraska's ninety fifth game where they've lost by a one touchdown decision. It's um. You know, as as people who root for Big Ten teams, one in particular, it's very easy for us to kind of look down from our metaphorical thrones and just laugh in pity. I I see a lot of people doing that to Nebraska after yesterday, and it really is it's got it's to the point where I think it was the Big Sky Conference or the Horizon League. I think I had it right here on my on, on on my likes on Twitter. So Big Sky. Yeah, so yeah, somebody uh somebody tweeted 
it was Ace of Bases on Twitter said Nebraska football is going to be playing in the Big Sky Conference soon. And then even the Big Sky Conference got in on the joke and said, we good. We good. Uh, Nebraska doesn't look didn't look good Saturday, Mitch. I mean, are there any thoughts on that? Because it's hard for it's really hard for me to say anything other than, yeah, Nebraska is probably not going to contend again. And the Scott Frost experiment might be over soon. What, which Saturday, Mitch, like the Saturday yesterday or the Saturday last year, one of the 10 that he coached in or the Saturday uh, three seasons ago that he would have coached Nebraska in. Um, I mean, just name me a Saturday because Nebraska's never looked good since Scott Frost came back. Um, and this just goes to show you that just because that's your alma mater, just because you were a standout player there and you had a great career doesn't mean that's where you need to go. Scott Frost was tremendous at UCF. If you remember yep. UCF, uh, you know, the quote unquote national champs the one year, uh, they didn't get the bid to the national nah. championship. Still have that. Yeah. That's why I put it in quote, but Scott Frost had it made there and he wanted to go home and try to turn around Nebraska, which Mitch prior to 2012 was a powerhouse right. really when they were in the big 12. And then I, I remember the big 10 getting Nebraska and thinking to myself, wow, that's a great yeah. bit. It's going to be challenged to Ohio state, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn state. Has Rutgers and Maryland been more of a challenge? Cause I think they have, I think Ohio state's played closer games against Maryland that I can remember than Nebraska. Nebraska, <sighs> Nebraska is it's, 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 I don't want to talk about another man's job because I'm not saying that Scott Frost went there and stole money no, just no. to steal money. But at the same time, he knows better. He knows that this is it. Like they already docked his pay. They already made him give up offensive play calling duties. They've already uh, lowered his buyout options. So if they do fire him, it doesn't cost a whole lot. And Scott Frost doesn't call plays, but he made the most critical play call of the day in Dublin, Ireland against Northwestern on the onside kick. And he says it's on him. Well, yeah, obviously it's on you. You're the coach. You're the one who ordered that to happen. But not only that, Mitch, they blew two double-digit point leads at different times in this game against Northwestern. Mitch, going off history alone and just looking at the name, Nebraska should be getting way better athletes that play football than Northwestern. However, I'm not trying to take anything away from Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald has yep. done a tremendous I was just about to say. at yep. Northwestern. He is the all-time winningest coach in Northwestern history, alum from there. Like That's a guy that's figured it out, but you, you and I both know, and anybody that watches college football, Northwestern is not a consistent powerhouse. They had it literally their last four years. They went first in their division, last place, first in their division, tied for last last year. It's Scott Frost. Nebraska literally will have to probably get nine wins this year to save Scott Frost, I think. I mean, you're talking about you're going to have to try to do something to get to a point where that last game of the season maybe means the winner goes to the Big Ten Championship. And if it's your second or third loss of the season that you still get a pretty nice bowl game, but I, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Scott Frost had it made at UCF and he took a risk and went back to Nebraska. And, and this is, this is what happened. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say, first of all, Pat, Pat Fitzgerald scared the hell out of me in the 2020 big 10 championship game. I thought yeah. he almost ruined yeah. Ohio state season. It seemed like it was going to, uh, so, okay. So, the 13-0 national championship season at uh, UCF was Scott Frost's only winning season as a head coach? Yep. What? And then you get, okay, then you go to Nebraska. 15-30 and 30 is his overall record. 10-26 and 26 in the Big Ten. 0-14 against ranked opponents. 
He is the first Nebraska Cornhusker head coach to have recorded four consecutive losing seasons since Bill Jennings uh, from whatever he did it. So, I, it, mm, I mean, that's that's not that's it's like that old Sports Center. This is Sports Center commercial. Is that bad? It's not good. Not good. <sighs> that's here, that's here, tough. Here's the thing, Mitch. Nebraska, the Big Ten, as we know, is top heavy, right? The Big Big Ten is top heavy when you talk teams that are going to make a new year six bowl of the college football yep. playoff, right? Right now, I think there's probably three schools, maybe four you can convince me that has a shot. Nebraska schedule. Isn't that bad. I know we were talking before we got on the show. Like, you know, I, I probably would have just left them over in, in Ireland because I don't think he should be the coach anymore. They play North Dakota next. I believe that they play Georgia state or Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. They do play a home game versus Oklahoma. That's now as the season starts, obviously that's a week four matchup, but before, uh, week one kicks right. off. They are the ninth ranked team in the country. Their only other two ranked games are November 12th at Michigan and then November 19th home against Wisconsin. That's that that's my whole point. Like you need to beat all these other teams that you should be beating. You should handle Rutgers. You should handle Illinois and Minnesota. I mean, but now you don't know. I mean, if, if Scott Frost can, can write the ship this season and somehow win one or two of those top or three ranked matchups, I would have to say he's safe just based off what he's done so far, but it's not going to be easy. No, it is not. And I want to save uh, the rest of the college football talk for the final segment because I want to talk about Ohio State. Obviously, I want to talk about the odds for the college football playoff because there was one uh, national media figure that had a very fascinating. I I was really wondering if you wouldn't if you wouldn't know what I was talking about, and just seeing your head drop. I know I know that you know that what exactly I'm talking about. So we're going to take a break and uh, yeah, we're going to get to it right after this. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris! Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for Introduction to Beekeeping, Basic Small Engine Repair, and Sign Language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. matter everyone plays a part we all have a role each of us can make a difference you do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward with each of us helping one another to cope feel better and know that we belong pass on the positivity today tell someone else they matter too alt care alt care alt care where you matter It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330 
334-5800 or visit their website albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. The final segment here talking college football, Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Bala, and Mitch. Um, we obviously have Ohio State opening the season up here very soon against Notre Dame uh, over at the Horseshoe. It's going to be one of the most exciting matchups in week in a week one for Ohio State in many, many years. Going into this upcoming year, we've kind of touched on Ohio State's preview earlier on in this uh, series run, but... When you look at the Buckeyes last year, who had maybe the best offense in college football, serious defensive problems that ended up costing them in games such as against Oregon and Michigan later on in the year. I mean, where do you see this Ohio State team? There is a lot. There are a lot of people that think that Ohio State, even with the likes of Alabama and Georgia in there, might be the most secure lock uh, for a bid in the upcoming college football playoff. It's Ohio State, Alabama, and everybody else. I can't even tell you that Georgia is up there mm. because I think they lost a lot with their defense, but I think that it will take a remarkable collapse or slip up by Ohio State or Alabama to not be in the college football playoff. Now, I won't say national championship. I think those are the two far and away well, yeah. best teams in the country. Yeah. But at the same time, once you get in the playoff, anything happens. But, uh, Mitch, I will be absolutely floored um, assuming teams are healthy. Now, if you said, hey, Stroud goes down for Ohio State, knock on wood that he doesn't, or Bryce Young does for Alabama, I think that obviously changes drastically. Um, But if everybody's healthy, those teams are far and away the best in the country. Um, I think that the – I think we as fans need that, not even speaking as a Buckeye honk. I I think we as fans need to see Ohio State versus Alabama because I think that's how great the game could be uh, just – in terms of sheer talent, I mean, both teams have uh, favorites to win the Heisman. Bryce Young looking to become the second player ever in college football history to get his second Heisman, joining only Ohio State legend Archie Griffin. Uh, C.J. Stroud hoping to do that. Jackson Smith and Jigba hoping to do it as a wide receiver. Uh, and you also have to remember Travion Henderson in the backfield for Ohio State. That's a guy that's going to get a lot of run this year, too. Uh, it, it ultimately might be why... CJ Stroud doesn't win it because he has two other guys in his team that are going to take votes from him. But um, that week one matchup versus Notre Dame, 7.30 at night at the Horseshoe, Mitch, I was really considering going for the longest time with some friends. Tickets are outrageous. Yep. Last time I checked, $435 for the very top of the stadium. Um, I've, I went, I got to experience my first night game last year versus Penn State, so I said I'm not dishing out that kind of money for this. But um, the bigger talking point of that game, Mitch, is the spread the spread of which Ohio state is, I believe over a two touchdown favorite. And you have some people that are saying, wow, that's too much. And other people I'm one of them. I think that's fair. I don't think Notre Dame. One thing I hate about college football rankings, Mitch is a lot of the time we know Ohio state, Alabama, and Georgia reload every year, right? They're always the top for recruiting classes, getting the best talent, the best athletes over and over and over. Notre Dame lost a lot of players. And they're ranked fifth. I don't think they're the fifth best team in the country, but I sit here and I, I'm telling you, I think Ohio State will cover that that large spread. And it all it all depends where you look. But last time I saw it, and I have it right here, it's moved to 17 points. That that's fascinating to me. I, I never like those kinds of odds because it always feels like there's going to be some sort of major slip up to whoever is the favorite, particularly when it is the Buckeyes. But uh yeah, number five, and that might be a case where you kind of mentioned the committee likes to ten, they tend to rank a lot of their 
not, well, not even blue bloods, but to say like they're, they're main teams over a certain period of time. You have your Ohio States, your Alabama, another SEC team, Clemson again, even though Clemson didn't really, you know, have as great a year as they had in years past, Notre Dame's, and then you're like your Texas's and your Oklahoma's and all that. So it really kind of is based, it's based obviously on last year's results, but also based on recruiting and some schools recruit better than others. As long as you don't have like a major drop off in, in recruiting classes, or if you have like a great one that could really, you know, make the scale go wayward uh, whenever you're talking about it in that sense. Um, and then so I, I am a little surprised by you not including Georgia in that mix. And I do kind of agree with you that there were some key defensive parts missing from the, the Bulldogs roster last year. They still have uh, their quarter, starting quarterback. They also have a number of key pieces on offense that are going to return. That offense proved to be very capable against the likes of Alabama last year and, and, and many other schools. Um, so I'd probably have Ohio State, Alabama in the playoff just by default. I mean, I could easily see some of the other uh, schools. By the way, Ohio State is currently a 9-2 to at last check, according to Caesars, a nine to two odds to make the playoff, not win the playoff, but make the playoff. So I'm, I'm running on that. Um, and looking at some of the other schools, it is it is kind of tough to see any other of the top 10 teams like Michigan and Texas slip in there unless you see Michigan do what they did last year to Ohio State. Or if you see Texas uh, be able to use their recruiting class and pull off something, you don't think they're going to? I And look, you, we might have some uh, fans of that team up north out there listening to the show. Um, this is not me as a, as a Buckeye fan. I, I don't think Michigan's going to be able to do it again, Mitch. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but just yesterday or today, yes. Jim Harbaugh named the starting quarterback for week one and week yeah. two between McNamara and McCarthy. And then after those two games, they will decide who the starting quarterback will be heading into week three. That's odd in and of itself. Keep in mind, Michigan lost both their offensive and defensive coordinator from last season with under Jim Harbaugh. And you lost your leader of the team in Aiden Hutchinson and then Ojogba, the linebacker. Yeah. They lost a lot and not just players and, and talent wise. They lost a lot in the, in the coaching side of things. To too. be fair, I'll give Jim Harbaugh this. The first two games of the year are, are up against uh, the season opener on Saturday, September 3rd, Colorado State. And the next game, it's uh, also at home again, Hawaii. And then your week three game at home, Connecticut, UConn. So I can't say that he's really risking a lot. He might be just risking, you know, putting a player out there for too long to potentially get hurt. But I don't really see it as like this. It's a strange move for sure because you're basically yeah. not you're not making a decision by the time you need to usually make one. I, I think he's, he, he probably feels confident enough, though, that both of those guys can get quality wins. And then he once he has that sort of scale between the two of them, he'll know where to go in week three probably. Um, one Michigan fan, by the way, who uh, I know watches this show is uh, is former Heisman Trophy winner and Super Bowl MVP Desmond Howard, uh, who ended up having his take um, go a little viral yesterday. Um, so, look, Desmond Howard has probably forgotten more about the college football game than I will ever learn, and probably that goes for us combined. But I looked at these choices he had for his playoff bracket here, and, and keep in mind, these are top 17 teams all these teams are in the top 17 of the of the opening AP rankings. He's got Michigan in there, obviously, just for 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 his own sake. He has uh, Baylor, who I believe is a top 10 uh, uh, pick this year, right around where Texas is. Um, Texas A&M, also a very high up in there. I believe even, uh, was it top six even top five? A&M is six. six. Okay, see, that's, the, that, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm, that's where I'm, that's where I'm fine with it. No, then he's got number 17, 
Pittsburgh in there. And Pittsburgh isn't going to play a lot of great competition. And if they're ranked this high, I'm sure they could really dominate against their conference this year. But unless they're winning games like 35 nothing every week, I don't know if the committee can overlook a lot of other more powerful schools with maybe one loss. And who even knows if there's going to be uh, enough schools with one or more losses for Pitt to slip in there. You're literally talking about the four teams he mentioned. They will have to go undefeated and run the table. And if if those teams do, that means that A and M would have beaten Alabama. Yes, right. And it more than likely means they would have so beaten they did last Georgia. Year. And Georgia in the SEC championship. So that's fine. They would have two big time wins in the SEC. Michigan would have to beat Ohio State again. They would have to win the Big Ten championship again. I get it. Baylor. Okay. You know what? Texas is still you know in there. You also have Oklahoma. Big ranked matchups. Who is Pittsburgh gonna play? Clemson's not good. Clemson, in my opinion, is the team that is ranked way over their heads in this way. I mean, I just said, I don't think Notre Dame should be fifth. Clemson should not be anywhere near the top five, top 10. What was Desmond Howard doing? Like, what, what was he on? What was he eating or drinking? Because this is my, my one buddy who's a Michigan fan. Even he said he can't defend that. I mean, what, what, how does this man have a job? With ESPN I, putting out predictions like this. I mean, it's his list. He can do whatever he wants with it. And, you know, maybe come uh, tournament time, he'll be actually proven right. I think, if, if anything, he's definitely going to be proven right by either A&M or Michigan. That's one of the two teams. Baylor, I can't see it. Pittsburgh, I can't see it. But I, I also couldn't see last year. Michigan ended up upending Ohio State, even with the problems that they had. So it goes to show what you and I know, uh, specifically what I know. Um, but yeah, that is all we have for this new episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Once again, you can follow us uh, on here on YouTube. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and hit the bell. That's when you can get our the the notifications for when our videos come up uh, are uploaded. Uh, obviously, you can follow us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and go to Anchor. Anchor is where we publish the, the podcast. You can also listen to it there. Uh, and of course, go to BigTimeSportsOhio.com. Obviously, we're on multiple uh, social media platforms at Big Time Sports Ohio on Facebook at BTS Ohio on Twitter and I believe Big Time Sports Ohio on Instagram, uh, as well as Mitch Spinell on Twitter, Mitch, Mitch Mitchell Bala on Twitter. Um, so yeah, that'll be the, that. That's it's been a great episode, Mitch, and I do want to hear the fact that you teased uh, last week. I want to hear it now. Oh, the fact that I teased. I don't remember the fact that I was teasing. You know the one we talked about after the show. I thought you had it for this episode, but we can go to the next one. It's okay. Oh, I mean, I got, I got a good one. I I know you've got to really get people riled up. Horses and cows can sleep standing up, but they can only dream while they lay down. So they can sleep standing up. I can't dream. Now they can sleep. Okay. So, okay. You mean, okay. They can only dream. For a second there, I was thinking like, can they like dream without sleeping? It's like, I I didn't know that was possible. I wonder if they could lucid dream because I know some people can do that. I've never been able to, but I, I wonder. If, I wonder if that's been ever been a possibility for animals to do more the same. They should animals should tell us if they lucid dream. They should just flat out speak to us and tell us sometime. I still think they can. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take this last shot here. Uh, my Kent State hoop. I wonder what Kent's odds for the playoff are this year. Probably better than Notre Dame's. That They're was Dame's. that was the closest one. Did you see that? That was the closest oh, one yeah, off the ba- off of the wall backboard, off of the rim. We're going to get it one of these days. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for listening, uh, and enjoy yourselves the rest of the week. We'll be back with you on Thursday for more talk here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.